This is the show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve Him in their neighbor, for whom the words of the Creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is the show for those like you and me who make the choice every day to follow Christ outside the walls. You've heard me say it on the show a hundred times that um, 1 Peter 3.15 says that we should always be prepared to have an answer for the hope that's within us, uh, but do so with gentleness and respect. And so we, we, we've hinted that a couple of times. One, because we want to really hit that gentleness and respect side. Sometimes we come out with both barrels blazing uh, with an answer for a question that's no one that no one's asked, right? We, we really want to get that that out there into the world and um, and we can do so without any gentleness and we can do so without any respect for the other person. And so we, we come out both barrels blazing with truth, but it's never received. Now, at the same time, you can come and, um, and be all gentle and all respect and no truth as well. And so there has to be this balance and I think that that we get this beautiful picture of it as that little phrase encapsulates the fullness of what we need to do. Always be prepared to have an answer for the hope that's within you, but do so with gentleness and respect. In order for us to be able to have an answer, and this is the part that you've heard so many times, uh, in order for us to be able to have an answer for the hope that's within us, there has to first be a question. And how do they first see the question, but to see the hope that's within us and have it not make sense, right? That generates the question. And so I like to say, go out and live a questionable life. Um, and, and it's funny and everyone laughs at it. And uh, you probably don't anymore because we've said it so many times. But behind the joke is a profound truth. If we... Um, if we so homogenize ourselves so that we look just like everybody else that's out there, um, we'll leave no place for the questions. And the questions are where the Holy Spirit is able to come in through these answers and make a difference in someone else's life. Um, always be ready to have an answer for the hope that's within you. That hope ought to stand out. It ought to be different. And so I think we have to be careful that we don't make everything so sanitized and so so um, so crisp and tied up in a nice little bow that people don't have the opportunity to see and to ask. And there are a couple of ways that this might present itself. Uh, I've been involved in, in faith formation and evangelization and radio and all of these places where we tend to emphasize the intellectual side of the faith, right? Um, we have something to to share and to um, to to teach and to pass on and to give, and uh, and very often those things come in the form of some little nugget of truth or wisdom or uh, whatever else is is easily packageable and communicable. So there there's benefit to those things; those are important, but that's not. All the faith is. The faith is eminently rational, right? G.K. Chesterton said, I believe, uh, I think it was G.K. Chesterton, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, I believe in the Catholic Church because it's true, right? There is this this truth that underpins it all. 
Uh, it's not just make believe or fairy tale or, or um, pie in the sky ever after. There is some just amazingly deep truth about the human person, but also the truth of events that happened in history. So, yes, there are uh, very strong uh, intellectual things, uh, an intellectual aspect of our faith uh, that we can we can study and we can uh, invest in. And yet there's also a side of our faith that is just a little bit odd the first time you look at it. And if you if you've been around it for your whole life, it might not look odd, but but I give you I give you the invitation to step back and look at our faith and look at some of the 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 stranger things and say, you know, I've grown up around this, but that's really kind of weird. And it's okay. You know, I think that I've got I've got many children running around and, and weird is like the word weird can, can depending on the day do two things. One weird can be really cool uh, and, and draw attention. And the kids all, somebody says weird and everybody comes running and they want to see what is this weird thing that you have found. Um, and, and then the other side of weird is when it's used as uh, not an acclamation about a thing that's seen, but a a statement about a person. When it's no longer, oh, weird, but you're weird. Uh, all of a sudden, the whole tenor around that word changes and nobody wants to be the person who's weird, right? Uh, and so it's, it's kind of a, a term that is used um, to get the other person to straighten up right? If I can say you're weird, I can be dismissive. And then you, then you want to be back in my good graces. And so then you'll, uh, you'll learn not to do those things in the future. Well, I think we see those same things in, uh, played out in our faith as the people in our culture, uh, might look at us and say, Oh, you're weird. You're different. And all throughout American history, there has been an effort on the part of Catholics to not be weird, right? Um, look, we're not that different than you. Look at all the ways that we are the same as you. Uh, and, and we have worked, I think, as a culture, as a Catholic culture, um, very hard to find um, acceptance and normalcy within the American culture. And there's benefit to that, but there's also risk in that. And the risk is that if uh, if we never feel the fingers pointing our way saying you're weird we also never have the opportunity to to for the weirdness of catholicism to draw people in and say wait i need to see more about this because this is different and this is not what i expected and that weirdness uh gives us an opportunity to share the faith these things that um that defy logic that look just a little bit different, right? They're not something that can really be passed on intellectually, and except for maybe in a in a uh, little trivia nugget. Um, but they are things that set Catholicism apart, that make us uh, different. And, and and when it's different, then it's something worth examining, right? It's the it's the burning bush. Uh, Moses saw plenty of bushes burning, but this one 
was different. And so he turned aside and he, and there he encountered God. So too, we ought to be lit with the fire of God in such a way that it makes us a little different. Now, that doesn't mean that we go out and try and find the weirdest thing that we can do and point it out and say, oh, look at this weird thing we've got. Um, and yet, at the same time, we should not shy away from those things that are deeply held in our faith um, that that might not be immediately understood. For me, and I'm going to get, jump into a little bit of, of personal story, for me, I did not understand Mary. Probably still don't, honestly. But when I came into the faith, that was one of those things that I just didn't want to... Uh, it, it wasn't so much a hang-up for me as much as it was, I'm, I trust the church, I'm going to come into the church, but I don't fully get all of the church's thought about Mary. And I'll tell you, one of the people who really helped me out with that is, uh, is Mark Shea. Uh, he wrote a book, uh, actually a series of three books that's now in one big volume called Mary, Mother of the Son. And one of the things in Mary, Mother of the Son uh, that he says, um, and I'm sure it's not unique to him, but it's where I first encountered it, is that everything that we believe about Mary says something fundamental about a belief we have about Jesus, right? That's the reason that the church has ever said anything uh, dogmatically about Mary is to defend some truth of who Jesus is. Uh, Jesus, uh, Mary is the mother of God because Jesus is God in his, in his entirety. And there were people saying, well, um, the human Jesus is just human, and then uh, he was subsumed by God and, and, or, or attained his divinity later because of faithfulness. And the church said, no, Jesus' humanity and his divinity cannot be separated, and Jesus was already God when he was in the womb. Mary is not just the mother of Jesus, the human Jesus. Mary is the mother of God. And so by saying that, uh, it's not saying anything necessarily about Mary at all. It's saying everything about Jesus. And this is the case with all of the Marian doctrines. But as a Catholic, how many times have you been approached uh, by someone who is not Catholic and said, why do you guys worship Mary or some other, some other thing that is not based in fact? And they bring out the weirdness and your response is, um, maybe we don't worship Mary, but then you just kind of change the subject as quickly as possible because it, it comes with that finger point saying you're weird and we just want to get away from that topic altogether. This is that place and this is that time and that opportunity to embrace the weirdness and change that from a pointed finger, you're weird, to a, a cry of delight, ooh, weird. Because there we find uh, that attraction as people then begin to want to, to examine it further, to look deeper into it. For me, the first one of those with Mary I encountered was the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, I'd seen it around. I grew up in Texas, right? You see that image on the back of pickup trucks and a little bit of everywhere. Um, I just assumed that it was religious art. I did not realize the miracle behind it. And 
that's the place when I learned that and I began to dig into it and I began to see if there was any truth to it that I, uh, I went from, wow, that's weird to, oh, weird, right? Going from skepticism to being intrigued. And this is the job and the role of an evangelist to help a person make that jump from skepticism to not even so much to believe, but just to being intrigued. So today to help us uh, talk about being a weird Catholic, we're going to talk with Tommy Tai, who is the king of Twitter, uh, king of Catholic Twitter at the very least. And he has written a book about uh, about the queen, the queen mother, uh, Mary, none other than hashtag blessed mother. Uh, it's the name of the book, uh, How to Follow, Share, and Defend Mary in the World of Social Media. And no one, I think, could tell us better how to interact and navigate the perilous waters of social media than the great Tommy Ty. Tommy, thanks for being with us today. Oh yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I went to look you up on LinkedIn and there's like a billion Tommy Ties, which I was shocked. And some very successful ones, actually. <laughs> I was, I was shocked. There's, a, <laughs> there's the radio broadcaster for the Miami heat. There's right. a, a guy who runs a nonprofit, this millionaire that runs a nonprofit in Santa Barbara. Uh, lots of really, yeah. <laughs> my my question is obviously we found them, but do they ever find you and go, "Oh my gosh, you're ruining my Twitter. Uh, everyone's no. <laughs> looking for me." <laughs> and, and they're right. asking me I went questions to a about board meeting, and someone asked me to explain this tweet that I never wrote. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope not. I hope that they can continue on without me ever popping up in their lives. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that um, that I think stands out and sets you apart from all the Tommy ties out there um, is your exuberance and sense of joy about, it seems at least to the outward facing world, everything that there is to have uh, through your show, repent and submit on Catholic TV with you and Steve, the missionary uh, through, through this book, which I have just enjoyed um, through your, your Catholic mad libs, right? All the way down through everything you find a way to um, to extract joy from every moment and every tiny little crack in life, uh, and and then just display it for the whole world to see. That's nice of you to say. Thank you. You're you're welcome. <laughs> I think my children are probably the driving force to help us realize the importance of doing that. And I think if uh, if it wasn't for them in our lives, we would probably just be, you know, depressed and laying in bed all the time because life's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> So they really help bring out the best in us. And I think hopefully, hopefully we can turn the joy that they give us and share it with everybody else. So let's turn now our, our attention to this book. Hashtag Blessed Mother is the name of the book. It's on our Sunday visitor, OSV.com. Um, it, it seems like this book is written to uh, a couple of, uh, basically one audience, but in a couple of different scenarios. One is convincing the person that, hey, really there's more to Mary than you know, and you should love her as much as I do. And then secondly, the second audience or the, the maybe after you've gotten someone to that point is to say, okay, now that we're there, let's, let's moderate the way that we talk about Mary so that everyone else can understand her and love her as much as you do now. Oh yeah. I appreciate that. You've definitely looked to the book. That's so nice of you to, to say that stuff. And it's very true. I think um, that was my aim really to get people to um, deepen their relationship with Mary, to really um, 
understand why we believe the things that we believe about her and really understand all the things that we believe about her. Um, because I think as Catholic, well, I'll speak for myself, uh, for a very long time as a Catholic, I was a Catholic since I was three weeks old, I guess. Um, I knew a lot about Mary. I saw that my mom's devotion to her, um, you know, learned everything from, from going to mass and, um, learning the rosary, having the prayers, but, but there could be somebody who very easily could have walked up to me in my mid twenties and said, but why? Like prove why you think that Mary ascended into heaven. That doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't know what to say. And that's something that uh, um, is kind of heartbreaking because a lot of people who approach you and ask questions about the faith, they certainly know what to say about the things that they believe. So, so yeah, step one is like, why do we believe these things that we believe? Where's the evidence? How does it make sense? Um, that's kind of important stuff to know. And then, the, yeah, I really want to encourage people uh, through this book to to share about her. Because I think sometimes we pull back, we think like that's the road to uh, coming together with non-Catholics or or people who don't understand our faith. And I really think it's quite the opposite. I really prefer um, to sort of lean into the fact that Catholicism is, is interesting, bizarre, uh, weird to the outside world, that they don't quite understand this one piece. Um, and I really want people to say, yeah, but it's really cool. And so let me explain <laughs> to you why. And I think probably... I mean, there's tons of Catholic beliefs that fit that criteria that people just don't get um, that we can say, yeah, isn't it weird? Let me explain why it's beautiful too. But I think the Blessed Virgin is obviously uh, near the top of that list. Mm -hmm. There's very few things above her in that. Like the Eucharist, I guess, right? is something that the world doesn't quite understand. Um, and, and the Blessed Mother's right there at the top of that list. So I really want people to be brave and bold in their ability to share her um, and to share her you know, with their own personal joy and their own personal feelings, as opposed to letting things always get into arguments and proof texting. And because I think that really, I have found online that really just doesn't lead anywhere good. Um, people don't really listen to that. Um, so I really want people to develop this relationship and then share from that relationship, because I think that is what's going to convince people um, that Mary kind of makes sense. I, I like a lot of people ask me, like, what do I think about this? And I tell them, like, the thing about Mary is it makes sense. And Catholicism to me says, okay, so here's like these things that we think are true. Now, um, we know they're true. The church knows they're true. They've been handed down. But check out your own life and your experience and what, what being a human is like. Uh, and test these things that we tell you are true and see if they make sense to you. I think that Catholicism is very much like that, like posing a truth but saying, go find out in your life and see if it makes sense. And, and uh, as a human being, as a member of a family, um, Mary makes sense. And I think we can approach her uh, from that angle with people because people understand the importance of a mother. People understand why a son would be devoted to her mother, how a mother can ask a son for, to, for anything and he'll listen to her, right? So I, these things kind of make sense to us as humans. And I think that's a better way to approach it than, you know, in Genesis 3.15, God said <laughs> this to Eve and he was talking about Mary. I mean, that's true, but but does that really convince people? I don't know. You know, when I was coming into the church, uh, it was on about a 10-year journey and I had some of these questions. Mary was the last thing that I I really dealt with. And, and honestly, some of this, I... I relegated to after I converted. I'm like, you know what? I I don't understand this. I trust that the church is true, so I'm going to go ahead and go in it anyway, and I'll I'll let the church teach me about all this later. That's um, great. That's the most beautiful thing to do right there. <laughs> so don't don't get too uh, too gracious there. It took me ten years. Uh, <laughs> but the but when I would ask questions, I would ask my cousin, and I've talked about him on the show before, and he would have these like five second, maybe, maybe 30 second answers. 
and they made sense and it was just kind of like oh it's this and there wasn't a treatise there wasn't um he was almost more relaxed in answering those questions mm-hmm. um and in leaving mystery and not mm-hmm. tying everything up perfectly in a neat, in a neat little bow um and that was almost more infuriating than <laughs> than if he had given me chapter and verse and given me a, a 15 minute answer yeah and, and yeah I, and I, you know, then social media comes along and, um, and I start to interact with it and I, people are asking me questions and I want to go and give those really intense 15 minute answers. And you're right. It doesn't lead to anywhere good. Right. But because a found answer is, I think, more lasting and profound than, than a provided answer. And so Most definitely yeah. to, to throw out those tidbits and say, oh yeah, certainly go, go look this up. It's going to have a, a better long-term uh, and lasting effect on that person than if I just... Yeah, I think that the... Uh, yeah, totally. I think the, the the approach that I like to take with people is just to get them to think about it. Just mm-hmm. to, you know, somebody comes on, on social media and, and says, how could you ever uh, pray to a saint and ask for their intercession when you can go directly to Jesus, you know? And I like to just, you know, reply with something like, well, don't you think people who love each other want to pray for each other? Like just, and, and think about it and, and think if that kind of tickles your fancy, if that makes sense to you, like we pray for people on earth and people are alive in heaven. Do we think that this makes sense? And of course there's, there's chapter and verse, like we're, like we're talking about that explain this like very well. But I think my, my real focus is this idea of doesn't it just make sense? Like, I know that you've heard in, in your faith and in your church and and whatever pastor has told you that like, this isn't something that happens and the Catholics have it wrong, but wouldn't it make sense that families pray for each other? Like, it's kind of as simple as that. And it's like, oh, of course that makes sense. We all pray for each other here on earth. Um, and then, you know, okay, so go figure out if that's, if that's true, if that thing that makes sense is actually accurate. Um, and surprise it is. That's yeah. exciting. <laughs> the, the book is hashtag blessed mother available on OSV. Uh, T- Tommy, one of the other things you talk about is um, the fact that our, our language changes. I mean, the, looking at even the, the Vatican II council where we said, yeah, the doctrine is solid, but we need to look at the way that we approach that. Uh, you bring that up as well as you're talking about, you know, sometimes the way that we talk about Mary uh, it's right and it's true. Uh, it's just not always the most helpful. And you bring out some some samples from the the secrets of the rosary, uh, <laughs> talking and, and which is a, a delightful book. Lots of people read it. It's a classic. People love it. And yet, if we talk about Mary today to modern ears in the way that Saint Louis de Montfort talked to us and talked to his original audience, something's going to be lost in translation because society has changed. <laughs> yeah. And then beyond that, social media has changed the way that we engage in conversation in general. Beyond the language that we choose, the style of communication has changed. So talk a little bit about Mm. how you would encourage, one, how you do it yourself, but then how you would encourage others to put a filter on and to translate some of what Mm. we believe about Mary to a modern audience. Yeah, I I think... Anybody who's read uh, Secrets of the Rosary or True Devotion by St. Louis de Montfort has to admit that they've had to go to secondary sources to say, did he, what is he saying here? Does he mean what I think he means? And then to find out, you know, it's, he has uses very flowery language, which is, is very beautiful. But if you don't have like a base and haven't like kind of bought into to exactly what we believe about Mary, it could really uh, throw you off the rails a little bit there. It's, it's wonderful and beautiful, but you're right. You wouldn't start off with, 
uh, some of the stuff that he says if you were sharing this with the non-Catholic audience. Um, so I, you know, I really think that um, the language we choose is important. And in, in Catholicism, we uh, take for granted certain things that we say. Um, and we have to really take a step outside when somebody's not getting uh, what we're talking about and kind of think about how it looks from the outside and be honest with ourselves about how it looks. So, um, for example, just if somebody walked into a Catholic church and saw people kneeling before, you know, an image of the tilma or something uh, with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, and it, it makes sense that someone might come to the conclusion like, oh, you guys are worshiping Mary or, oh, you guys are uh, worshiping this image. It, we're not, but it makes sense that someone would come to that conclusion. So uh, let's kind of like throttle back a little bit and, and be respectful that people have come to that conclusion. The same to say uh, that we pray to Mary. Uh, if you haven't really uh, developed a Catholic understanding of what that means, then that can sound very weird. And so yeah. sometimes we get very defensive when non-Catholics say, what do you mean you pray to somebody who isn't God? That doesn't make sense because to them, uh, praying is like uh, worship and adoration, which right. in a sense it is, right? But not completely. And we use this word pray uh, to mean both things. So I think it's very important that, uh, you know, when we're when we're just kind of talking with other Catholics or when we're praying, we can say, hey, Mary, help me with this thing. Help me, save me from this. Like, you know, bring <laughs> me relief from this. But in reality, we have to recognize that if we're sharing what we're doing, we're really asking Mary to ask Jesus to do these things. And that's like a step that I think is missing for a lot of non-Catholics. They don't, they don't understand that we don't think that Mary has power within herself to do something, but that she has, you know, supreme recourse to Jesus and she's the one who's going to like be able to go directly to him. So, so I really just think it's taking a step back. Um, so, so what I like to do when someone says, how can you, why do you do this? Why do you believe this? This is what it looks like to me. I like to first say, um, yes, I get it. I get why you would come to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. That makes sense that you would out us. But let me kind of explain what's happening behind the scenes, what's happening in my mind when I'm saying, Mary, come and help me. Um, so I you that what I mean is Mary's asked Jesus to help me. And I, I think that that helps people to understand. The other thing is the first response is like, of course, we pray directly to Jesus. I, I think we have yeah. to clear that up, right? Yeah. Um, so people need to know that because they're like, why don't you pray to Jesus? It's like, oh boy, I do. Yeah. But I also want my pals to get on the case for me. Uh, and then in terms of social media, you know, it's like we need to be, we need to be pithy. We need to be uh, to the point with things. We need to really um, maybe not do like 15 tweet threads about what we're trying to get at, but... <laughs> Try which I've done, unfortunately, but try to keep things simple because when it comes down to it, um, Catholicism and being Catholic is uh, this like simple act of faith. Mm -hmm. Like I know the ideas are big. The mystery is huge. You can't ex explain it to somebody. You can barely explain some of the things to yourself, right? But the, the leap of faith and the way we live the faith uh, is simple. And that's one of the most beautiful things about it. So keeping it simple is a really good thing to do. And that's that's just sage advice for all of life and all, all of our interactions oh, on social keep it media. Simple, yeah. <laughs> We're talking today with Tommy Ty. The book is hashtag Blessed Mother: How to Follow, Share, and Defend Mary in the World of Social Media. Available on OSV OSV.com. Speaking of social media, come over, talk to me. Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls on Twitter. The handle's at Outside the Walls. When we come back, we're going to get into some of the practical steps you can take to defend Mary on social media. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL, and today we're talking about a brand new book, Hashtag Blessed Mother. Uh, it's, it's obviously a book about social media because of the hashtag. Uh, How to Follow, Share, and Defend Mary in the World of Social Media by Tommy Tai, available on our Sunday visitor, osv.com. Tommy, thanks for being on the show again. Uh, it's wonderful. Thanks for having me back. So uh, we're, we're, we were talking a little bit in the break about um, there are some things out there that, that people around us, specifically our, our Protestant brothers and sisters who, who have seen our devotion and share some of our faith but don't understand all the parts of it, um, they, they, they need some encouragement and they need a, a specific way of engagement. And we tend to turn everything on social media into uh, into a fight. And I think part of that, and perhaps you can speak to this because you have a little bit more experience in the world of, of the human psyche than I do. Um, I think that some of that is that we tend to get aggressive and anxious when we don't have a good and prepared response. And so the, it's almost fight or flight. Uh, well, now I'm being challenged in a way I don't know how to answer. So now I need to up, uh, make myself look bigger to scare the bear away. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and so there's a good portion of this book that's basically, Hey, know the questions ahead of time and be prepared and, and spend time digging into the arguments against, and then bring the full weight of our faith to bear. We have 2000 years of history. We've got brilliant people who have handed down the faith and they can help us not get so um, so anxious and so easily uh, distracted and, and disturbed by some of these questions. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, part of being Catholic is realizing that, you know, the truth of the faith is behind us, right? We have, like you said, that all the questions that have ever been asked about the Catholic faith have been answered. Um, they've been asked by smarter people than us and they've been answered by smarter people than us. So, so part of being Catholic is being able to relax a little bit when somebody asks you a question and to realize, okay, maybe I don't know the answer, but I know there is an answer somewhere out there. And it's, uh, I mean, the internet is revolutionary in this way that you can just instantly find an answer, instantly find a church father who will explain uh, certain beliefs or a more modern saint or uh, even a more modern theologian, right? Who can kind of explain things. So um, yeah, we can relax and chill out. We don't have to get defensive. We don't have to get angry. We don't have to get anxious. Um, you know, it's, it's good that somebody would challenge our faith and question it because it, it just drives us to look more into it. And, and while the faith is about a relationship and that's like the most important thing, learning as much as we can uh, really helps to deepen that relationship. It helps us to really have a better foundation. So mm -hmm. we should welcome those kind of challenges, I think, because even if we just do a quick Google search and end up on Catholic Answers website and read a little, you know, quick article about why we think that um, Mary was a virgin forever uh, for her whole life, right? Like that helps us. It helps mm -hmm. us to, to deepen our devotion and our faith and um, it's a good thing. So we should be happy about it. Well, one, it strengthens us and our knowledge. Our faith is stirred up and strengthened. Um, but then we have the opportunity not just to be right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but isn't that the supreme thing that we're going for? <laughs> on social media, it seems so. Uh, but we have the opportunity to, to enter into dialogue and relationship and conversation with uh, with people out there. So uh, there's a couple of rules 
for social media that I have engaged in because I have that kind of combative personality that I would love. Yeah. And my wife is well aware of this. She has seen those arguments on the <laughs> internet go on for hours. Um, I, I have had to, to answer a couple of questions. One, um, does this person uh, really want to know the answer? Sometimes the answer is no and you proceed anyway. Two, is this person ever really going to hear the answer from right. me, right? Is this, a, is this a productive conversation to enter into? And then, you, you know, you have to spend some time discerning because sometimes the Holy Spirit says, I don't care, do it anyway. Um, mm. But the, they're, they're, we, we tend to just jump right in both feet and say, I, someone is wrong on the internet and I'm going <laughs> to fix it, right? That's right. And... And there, I think there's more, and I, this is one of the things I really appreciate appreciate about you is there there is finesse to this um, because we're not trying to win an argument, we're trying to win a person, and specifically when we're talking about you know we we hear these things or we hear um, non Catholics say things about Mary and it's like we want to step up to her defense. Listen, right? Jesus is her son; she does not need your help for defense. <laughs> She's just fine. She's not hurt by this person saying bad things about her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. And I think um, I try to bring that approach out a little bit, trying to uh, think a little critically about what this person's aim is, right? Are they just trying to uh, say something negative because that's what people like to do on the internet? And if you get upset, they, they're they sitting at home and got them. I got them. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, or there are people who, I, I have people all the time who will reply to, to tweets that I have, um, I, like I just tweeted the other day about the co-redemptrix and mediatrix of all graces. And somebody replied and said, I honestly have a question. I'm not trying to be mean. This yeah. makes no sense to me. And so then it's like, okay, awesome. And, and we actually had a conversation in the, in the direct messages and the DMS about it. And it was, um, they said, what about this? What about that? And then they said, okay, that's something for me to think about. And yeah. it's like, that's, that's what it's about. That's like a huge, a huge interaction, a huge opportunity. Um, but when somebody just replies and says, no, this is stupid, delete your account. They're not interested <laughs> in me saying, well, let me actually explain it here for you. Right. So we constantly have to remember that. Another thing I had to learn is that, um, we don't owe a response to anybody on the internet. So these are all people. We have to remember that, be respectful, be nice. But but sometimes I've caught myself, you know, refreshing a screen and waiting for someone's reply to what yeah. I just said. And meanwhile, my kids are running around the house asking for me to hang out with them. And I'm like, no, I have to get, you know, Joe <laughs> underscore Smith in Texas. I got to explain this to him. And, and that's just crazy making. We have to step away. We have to be willing to um, put our phones down and, and you know, realize that we're not the one who's going to convert the world here. We got to take a step back. And so I constantly have to remind myself to do that. Like I, you know, this isn't something that I have to do is, is explain every little thing to every person who asks a question. Um, and that that's a key to maintaining our health on social media. Wait, you're talking about boundaries. <laughs> it's hard. It's a daily struggle. <laughs> so, um, the, the 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 book is hashtag blessed mother. You have a little bit of experience with social media. Um, you uh, you're also the host of Repent and Submit on Catholic TV, which y'all y'all go through Catholic social media and break it open with uh, with a lighthearted flair. You and Steve the missionary together. Um, I, I want to know how that whole thing came together. I'm assuming that you and Steve were connected beforehand. Mm. Um. How did you say, you know, let's do a television show and just drag the internet onto the airwaves? 
<laughs> I think, uh, yeah, Steve and I knew each other. He, he lived here in, in the Bay area and, uh, we got to know each other. Um, and I, I guess I, I pestered Catholic TV enough to have them say, okay, we dare you to give us a show. Just try and come up with something. And as soon as I received that email, I texted Steve and said, um, okay, help. These people just said that they want to want a pitch from us. And I have no idea what to do. <laughs> I, I love that. You just said these people want a pitch from us. Yeah. <laughs> I dragged him in immediately. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess the idea is that we really wanted something that was, um, fast paced. We wanted something that was relevant to people who were, uh, maybe not traditional viewers to Catholic television. Um, and we just wanted a lot of fan interaction. So, I mean, one of the big secrets is when you're not really that good at writing things or doing things is you get people to like help you. Right. And so that's kind of what we did. We got all of our friends and anyone and everyone we knew to sort of, um, pitch ideas for the show uh, on social media. And we had a whole bunch of fun and then COVID came along and uh, messed up our third trip out to Boston, but hopefully we'll get back out there. So let's, let's get back to the book. Hashtag blessed mother, uh, available on osv.com. Um, let's talk about apparitions because this is All one right. of the, the weirder things of, of Catholic devotion. Uh, we're talking about these people who are no longer on earth, who have gone into heaven. And now all of a sudden you're saying that Mary showed back up and not only did she show back up, but she showed back up to like a couple of people, uh, specifically. <laughs> so that, I mean, this sounds, this sounds very, um, X-Files-esque kind of stuff. Uh, how do you talk about, let's do two things. How do you talk about apparitions in general and how do you discern, when someone is, and and the church discern, when someone is telling the truth about an apparition and when someone is seeking attention and maybe perpetrating fraud. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things about uh, the church in terms of apparitions is that the church is very wise and moves very slow. And I think that that helps us a lot. Uh, and it frustrates people who, who have found um, some fruit or some some spiritual grace in in more modern apparitions that haven't been approved yet, but it makes so much sense to me to really sit it out and wait. Um, and the church is really good at that, and I love that a lot. Um, it's it's so funny because growing up Catholic, apparitions just don't seem weird at all. You know what I mean? It's like you just you take it as such a, a yeah, of course this happens, but it, but of course the <laughs> if I was just a skeptical non Catholic, I would be like, give me a break! Like this makes no sense. Why would this happen? Right? I mean, you expect that you you expect Scooby Doo to say who who really is behind Hold that on. mask, <laughs> and I'd have gotten away with it if it weren't if it weren't for you meddling kids, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I think this is another point where we have to sort of chuckle as Catholics because uh, uh, people will lump in other things with apparitions, like uh, you know, toast or uh, a burned piece of toast, or or I write in the book about how there was a local chocolate shop uh, where I grew up that had a. Uh, a piece of chocolate come off the line that they said looked like the Blessed Virgin Mary and people started flocking there. And I think people kind of, you know, conflate those things with like Our Lady of Guadalupe or Our Lady of Lords and say, how could you guys believe this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, but but again, you know, for me, when we look at these things, uh, two things that I would say to people who are, who are curious about them. Number one is that while the church does say that certain apparitions uh, happened or are authentic, right? Um, they're private revelations. And they're not something that the entire church is compelled to believe. So I think that that's, while, while maybe we all should believe them because they're very important and powerful, I think that's a cool thing because people don't think that about the Catholic church or the hierarchy. They think that the church says, 
this, you must believe right. this, all things. And for certain things, that's true, but not for other things. So that that first little starting point, I think, would make people more comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, yes, this thing happened, but if you feel uncomfortable with that idea, that's cool. It's a private revelation. It's not for everyone. And, and I think that's a really peaceful, humble thing. The you other know, thing is, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, so, something that I see about apparitions, and this may be where you were going, is um, Mary appears at a specific location, at a specific time, in a way that is specific to the person receiving her. So mm -hmm. um, with Our Lady of Guadalupe, she appears as an Aztec, right? She appears mm -hmm. as one of them. Um, Our Lady of Knock, same thing. Everywhere that Mary shows up, she looks like the people to whom she's speaking. And mm -hmm. so as I look at that... Um, I think sometimes we grab a hold of these these apparitions and hang on to them forever, and they were meant for a specific thing and to accomplish a specific purpose. And Our Lady, mm -hmm. I love Our Lady of Guadalupe. I think it's uh, it's worthy of devotion. And yet, at the same time, the purpose of that apparition was the reconciliation and the the salvation of a whole culture, and it accomplished that in very short order. And I, I think that sometimes we need to put in in our minds that Mary isn't just doing this, God isn't just allowing this for the purpose of of spectacle. We have to keep them in context. Keep them in context. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I think that like we like you were saying with Our Lady of Guadalupe, I mean we can look at the fruits of these uh, apparitions and and you know I think sometimes people who may be skeptical would say, well look at what was in it for the church to do this and to say this and maybe that's why they did this. But we're talking about uh, with Our Lady of Guadalupe, with all the approved apparitions really, we're talking about these little humble people who had no power at all. Mm -hmm. uh, Juan Diego, right? The children at Fatima, like our St. Bernadette, these people, some of them, St. Bernadette couldn't even read. These people who couldn't change the world on their own, it's not possible. And everyone was against them, right? The bishop wouldn't even meet with Juan Diego. Uh, the kids from Fatima, they were faking that they were torturing them to get them to recant their stories. These these two things come to my mind. One, they had a supernatural ability to not uh, give in to fear that any of us would have given into. So that's really, that, that says something to me. The second thing is, we still talk about these apparitions. They changed the course of history yeah. uh, in the way that they were intended to. And that is not possible uh, Juan Diego is great. He's a saint. He's in heaven. He's amazing. But Juan Diego himself could not have changed the course of history in the way that it changed. So so it's like something happened. Something happened there. And I think that uh, looking at that fruit can really help us to uh, to see sort of that something, something important happened, that something otherworldly happened there. Um, and again, does it make sense? Does it make sense that a mother would want to come to her children and sort of, you know, remind them about how they should be living their life or remind them to look at Jesus? That that makes sense. A mother, like my mom would always call me when I went off to college to remind me to do certain things and to avoid things and to, you know, to study. And and so again, it's like, do we look at this and, and does it make sense that Mary would, uh, through the power of God, come to remind us to stay on track? I think so. Yeah. And I think it's it's really beautiful. It, it's It's the divine Zoom call. Right, <laughs> that's Jesus. Right. <laughs> Jesus sets it up like we we understand, Mom. The, the, we've got those apparitions all the time. Like the the screen pops up, there she is. <laughs> we just we just didn't understand it until now, right? Now that right. now got the divine technology makes sense. Uh, we we understand it. Uh, Mary's the, way ahead of her time. Yeah, <laughs> the book is hashtag Blessed Mother. It's available on OSV Press. Uh, Tommy, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, it was wonderful. Thank you. 
If you missed any part of my conversation with Tommy, you want to go back and listen to it again, or even better, if you want to share it with your friends on social media, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com, and they're put there in such a way that you can easily find the episode you want, hit the share button, and send it to as many places as you want to send it. But after you share that episode, don't leave just yet, because up in the top right-hand corner of OutsideTheWalls.com, top right-hand corner of the page, you'll see a link that says support the show hyphen Patreon. We've got a wonderful group of Patreon supporters who help keep the show on the air, but in return uh, for their generosity, we like to give a little bit back. And we have extra segments of a, a vast majority of our guests. Uh, we haven't done it from the beginning, but we've done it for a very long time, where we have a couple of extra questions with the week's guest. And this week is no exception. Tommy has stuck around a little bit longer and uh, given some extra content uh, to our Patreon supporters. So go to OutsideTheWalls.com and click that Patreon link that's the sound of the verbum library launching up which means that it's time to turn our attention to our reading from scripture and from church history try out your own verbum library free for 30 days by going to verbum.com our reading from scripture today comes from the gospel of luke while jesus was speaking a woman from the crowd called out and said to him Blessed is the womb that carried you and the breasts at which you nursed. He replied, Rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke. And when I was a Protestant, what I heard in that was, um, Blessed is your mother. And Jesus replying, No, blessed instead are not those from which I came, but those who receive me and and hear the word of God and observe it, right? Uh, righteousness is what what is blessed. As a Catholic looking at this, I see something very different. I see someone saying, blessed is your mother because of what she biologically did for you. And he replied, no, My mother isn't blessed because of what she biologically did. She is blessed because she heard the word of God and observed it and said, let it be done to me according to your word, right? Here he's saying right right direction, yes, uh, but there's more than that. Blessed is my mother because of her response to the word of God, not merely anything biological that she provided. And why is this? Because in in her response to the word of God, Mary can be a prototype, right? We can receive that same blessing when we likewise respond to the word of God. And unless you think still that that this is taking anything away from Mary, lest you think that Jesus is saying, no, my mother's not blessed. Instead, these other people are blessed. Hear what what Elizabeth says to Mary in in Luke chapter 1. She says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb. You've heard this before. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. 
here, Elizabeth, in that place where we first hear, blessed are you among women, she is giving the same reason that Jesus is giving. Not blessed are you because of your womb. She said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, not blessed because of the fruit of your womb. Why is she blessed? Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. Here, Mary, uh, rather, here, Jesus and Elizabeth are pronouncing the same blessing. And because of that, you and I can follow in Mary's footsteps and do that same thing. We can say, let it be done to me according to thy word. We could never follow her into the blessing of biology because we can never carry Christ in the way that she did. We could never nourish Christ in the way that she did. But we can hear the word of God and observe it. Our reading from church history comes from a homily uh, by delivered at the Council of Ephesus in 431 by St. Cyril of Alexandria. I see here a joyful company of Christian men met together in ready response to the call of Mary, the holy and ever-virgin mother of God. The great grief that weighed upon me is changed into joy by your presence, venerable fathers. Now the beautiful saying of David the psalmist, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to live together in unity, has come true for us. Therefore, holy and incomprehensible Trinity, we salute you at whose summons we have come together to this church of Mary, the mother of God. Mary, mother of God, we salute you, precious vessel, worthy of the whole world's reverence. You are an ever-shining light, the crown of virginity, the symbol of orthodoxy, an indestructible temple, the place that held him whom no place can contain, mother and virgin. Because of you, the Holy Gospels could say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We salute you, for in your holy womb, he who is beyond all limitation was confined. Because of you, the Holy Trinity is glorified and adored. The cross is called precious and is venerated throughout the world. The heavens exalt, the angels and archangels make merry, demons are put to flight. The devil, that tempter, is thrust down from heaven. The fallen race of man is taken up on high. All creatures possessed by the madness of idolatry have attained knowledge of truth. Believers receive holy baptism. The oil of gladness is poured out. The church is established throughout the world, and pagans are brought to repentance. What more is there to say? Because of you, the light of the only begotten Son has shone upon those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. Prophets pronounced the word of God. The apostles preached salvation to the Gentiles. The dead are raised to life, and kings rule by the power of the Holy Trinity. Who can put Mary's high honor into words? She is both mother and virgin. I am overwhelmed by the wonder of this miracle. Of course, no one could be prevented from living in the house he had built for himself, yet who would invite mockery by asking his own servant to become his mother? 
Behold, then, the joy of the whole universe. Let the union of God and man in the Son of the Virgin Mary fill us with awe and adoration. Let us fear and worship the undivided Trinity as we sing the praise of the ever-Virgin Mary, the holy temple of God, and of God himself, her Son and spotless Bridegroom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. That reading comes from a homily delivered at the Council of Ephesus in 431 by St. Cyril of Alexandria. And here we see on display everything that we were saying earlier, that Mary, everything about Mary is pointing to Christ. And in this lovely homily, uh, and, and remember, he's preaching this to other bishops, uh, in this lovely homily, we see laid out for us all of the things that were made possible by Mary's fiat, by her yes, by her let it be done to me according to your word, right? Uh, because of that, we now can then turn that to ourselves and ask ourselves the question, what kinds of things are going to flow out of my yes and my improbable yes What kinds of marvels is God going to do when I say, let it be done to me according to thy word? Now, we're not going to introduce and bring in to the world the Savior of mankind. We're not going to, through our yes, uh, have the Holy Trinity revealed for the first time to, to humanity. And yet, perhaps through our yes, the Holy Trinity might be revealed to a person or to a people group. Mary's role in salvation history is unique. It'll never be repeated. It'll never be exceeded. But it is one to be followed. Um, And and to a smaller degree, we can also be God-bearers, just as she was the Theotokos, the God-bearer. As our yes will have lasting and profound impacts throughout history that we may not fully see. I think of St. Francis Cabrini, who um, who approached the the Pope and said, we need more missionaries um, in, in the Americas. And he said, you're right. Why don't you do it? <laughs> not what she was expecting. She wanted him to send someone else. And he said, why don't you do it? And she said, this is not a direct quote, let it be done to me according to thy word. And she went and brought the gospel uh, in a very profound way to whole people groups in the Americas, caring for the downtrodden. Uh, All of the saints in some way have said yes to the word of God. Blessed are they who heard the word of God and observed it. And here's the thing. Their example serves as an invitation to us to do the same thing, to hear the word of God and to observe it and to let God do what he does miraculously through that yes. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show is brought to you by Joseph Roberts and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link and join their number. Come join the ongoing conversation at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle's at outside the walls. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.